We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525. The following program is sponsored. Today on Know the Truth, Philip DeCourcy sits down to interview the Masters University president, John MacArthur. You're not really educated unless you know the truth, and the truth is revealed in the Word of God, the truth about creation, the truth about the beginning and the end, man, sin, marriage, everything that's laid out in Scripture that gives structure to life and makes sense out of it from God's perspective. That's the truth. And to even imagine you're educated without knowing that is a deception. Dr. John MacArthur, just a preview of what's ahead here on Know the Truth with Philip DeCourcy. Today, Philip is closing out the Without Apology series with a special interview with the Masters University President, Dr. MacArthur. From the Apostle Paul's second letter to Timothy, we've learned how to lead and encourage others in the faith. And as you might know, John MacArthur is Philip's mentor, someone he's looked up to for guidance throughout his ministry. And today, they'll be discussing one of their favorite subjects, the importance of God's Word. Let's get today's interview started. Well, I want to welcome you to Know the Truth today. Thank you for joining me. This is Philip DeCourcy. We're doing something unusual. I'm in studio today. And the interesting thing is I'm not the one being interviewed. In fact, uh, I have a special guest with me in studio here at Know the Truth. And uh, he's a dear friend of mine, a mentor, and I'm sure known to many of you. I want to welcome into the studio today Dr. John MacArthur. Thank you, Philip. Great to be with you. Well, it's a joy to have you, John, and uh, I just want our listeners to know this. Uh, Many, I think, do know this because I refer to it often in my sermons. Maybe many do not, but uh, I'm here because of you. In uh, 1993, you kindly accepted an invitation from uh, myself and pastors in Belfast, and you came out in 1993 with your wife, Patricia. We had a wonderful conference together, and then in uh, the spring of 1994, you returned the favor and invited me to come and join you at the Shepherds Conference, and little did I know that my life would change forever. Yeah, it was wonderful to meet you over in Northern Ireland. And, of course, I was kind of following up my father, who had been there, uh, you know, 50 years before, and uh, God had blessed his ministry there. And so kind of had that part of the world in my heart. And when I had an invitation, didn't expect to meet you. But, yeah, a year later you came. uh, That launched you coming to the Master Seminary which was exciting for me. You wanted more training, and uh, you have flourished in that setting and continued to flourish beyond that. And then you, you were able to become pastor of a church in our area, which you were, what, four or five years, maybe? Yeah, was, I think it was seven or eight years well, of Placerita, right beside the Master's yeah. College then, now the university. Yeah, and so we've kept that friendship going through the years, and just a pleasure to know your wife, June, and your beautiful daughters who came through the Master's University and have been a blessing to everybody who's known them. And then uh, you came to me 
I forget exactly what year, and said, uh, what about radio? Maybe there's an opportunity for radio. I have some guys that might want to do that, and I've always encouraged you to do that. We need faithful, biblical expositors on radio, and God has put his hand on that, and it's just continued to grow, and that's exciting for me. Well, John, you know, again, I've acknowledged that to you privately, and I've done it often publicly, but it's a joy to be in your company with our listening audience and to acknowledge uh, just how much I am thankful for your life and your investment. I know I'm only one of hundreds of men, both uh, here in the United States and across the world, that you have invested in. And I want to just thank you for years of faithfulness, your pulpit at Grace Community, your ministry in books and in writing has uh, just been a benchmark uh, for me, and I have only sought to to rise to that. And, uh, you know, I know that you're one that emphasizes the sovereignty of God, and I look back on my life, and uh, that trip to Northern Ireland was something that was to change me. In fact, you and I have talked about that little footnote that when your father was there, Dr. Jack MacArthur, during an evangelistic campaign in the 50s, that uh, that was during that campaign my own father got saved. Yeah. And uh, so, you know, it's it's amazing, you know, halfway across the world how our our lives have intertwined and, and God has uh, used you to open doors. And, uh, you know, I'm deeply thankful. And so uh, I'm thankful that you've spurred a little bit of your time to come into the studio because this week on our broadcast at Know the Truth, we have aired uh, two messages that I preached in the spring at the Master's University. And here we are in the middle of the summer. And uh, we uh, thought it would be good just to finish out that week of broadcast with uh, uh, me and you reflecting on both institutions, the Master's University and the Master's Seminary that have proved to be seminal in my life. Number one, you've referred to that. My three daughters have had the privilege of graduating from the Master's College then, the university now, and uh, you've uh, trusted me with uh, being part of the trustee board, and I count that a, a rare privilege. But I look at my girls and the benefit they have gained from that education, the friendships they made, the godly professors, the kind of high standards you set as a president. I want to talk about that. And then as a graduate of the Master's Seminary, uh, besides the grace of God and His mercy in my life, what you've invested and what the professors at the school have invested, if I'm anything in terms of an effective minister of the gospel, I want to acknowledge that the Master's Seminary has had a big hand in all of that. So let's maybe begin by talking about the, the uh, university. Um, this was, the, I think, originally LABC back in 1927. You came to be president in 1985. It's been an adventure and a journey for you, and you've talked about it often at the board members. But what excites you today? about the Master's University, and why do you believe that uh, it has uh, as much an important role today, if not more today, in our world for families and young people? Well, it's, it's always been important because the most important thing in the world is divine truth. And whoever has divine truth is therefore the most important. You know, we, we used to say that the leader is the one with the most information. And, and I would say in terms of education, you're not really educated unless you know the truth, That's right. the truth, and the truth is revealed in the Word of God, the truth about creation, the truth about consummation, the truth about the beginning and the end, man, sin, marriage, everything that's laid out in Scripture that gives structure to life and makes sense out of it from God's perspective. That's the truth. And to even imagine you're educated without knowing that is, um, is a deception. There was a time going back in your country and in ours when theology was the queen of sciences. Theology sure. was reign supreme because God was the priority. Uh, that, that's gone in a post-Christian culture. But it isn't just the absence of truth in universities um, 
and colleges, now they've become maybe the most dangerous place in America, mm. maybe the most dangerous place in Europe, because they are filled with anti-Christian bias, with homosexual bias, with the, the lesbian, transgender, bisexual community just running rampant over them, and even many who would say they're faith-based or right. Christian colleges. Yep. Young people are more likely not to hear the truth, but to be led deeper into error in a university than any place I can think of. So if ever there was a necessity for the master's university, it is now. Um, you know, what is so amazing to me is when you say you're, you're a Christian institution and you make the Bible the priority and you teach the absolute truth, you don't give up anything educationally. You, you can still have the highest level of education. Now, our graduates are at Johns Hopkins Med School. Yep. Uh, they're at all of the top graduate schools in the country. Ninety-five percent of our students that apply to med school are received. We have the highest pass rate of any university in California for the CPA exam, higher than USC, Stanford, mm. any of them. So we, we have a high-quality education, godly professors, small classes. You're in a room with a Ph.D. This is a real education, and it's consistent with what is reality, as we know, revealed on the pages of Scripture. So, you know, look, I remember years ago somebody said a mind is a terrible thing to waste. <laughs> uh, a lot of minds are wasted, but a lot more people are led astray. A safe place is a place where the truth is taught, yep. lived, propagated at every level, and it descends into every aspect of life, and it's a full-orbed education. So the Master's University is critical today. We don't compromise. Um, right. We stay true to a very lengthy doctrinal statement, as you know. Yeah, you've, you've said that several times at the board meetings, John. I mean, this is a school that has not wavered since 1927. If anything, I think we have even uh, retrenched right. and redefined our doctrinal statement and, and, and beefed it up. And that's, that's just unusual in, in this kind of culture and this kind of evangelical climate. Well, you know, you have the history of so many schools. I mean, all of the Ivy League schools once were founded to train pastors and they went liberal really fast centuries ago. It doesn't have to happen. If you have a strong doctrinal statement, you have strong people on the board like yourself committed to the authority and inerrancy of the Scriptures and sound historic doctrine, and you have a faculty that affirm that in every discipline, whether it's the arts or science or education yeah. or business or whatever it is, and, and you make sure that you do diligence to protect the institution, you can be true. And long before I came to the Master's University, there were faithful men who got it from 1927 to 1985 right. without wavering, and uh, and it, it is as strong as it's ever been, and we're grateful yeah. for that. And, and our, our young people are making a huge difference in the world. And then you add to that the seminary, and look, th this is, I think, lost on people today. Pastoral ministry, let's just say ministry to the Church of Jesus Christ, is essentially one thing. And that is to disseminate the truth from the head of the church to the church. That's right. And the head of the church is the Lord Jesus Christ, and he speaks to his church through his word. And ministers are called then to explain the meaning of Scripture so that the head of the church can be heard by the church. Right. What do ministers do? It's not about creativity. It's not about uh, you know, being cool culturally. It, it's not about being savvy. It's not about being a communicator. It is about 
teaching people the meaning of the Word of God, making the Word of God clear and powerful and applicable to life. But, but that seems so counterintuitive to what's going on in the evangelical church, in yeah. that leadership is being defined. I remember, I think you said at a board meeting one day, that, and it struck me and stayed with me, that you feared that the church has fallen into the hands of entrepreneurs, and yeah. leadership is being defined more in a business model, a worldly model, than leading the church through feeding the church the Word of God. Yeah, or or personalities, you know, right. the, the kind of Pied Piper personality type people that can draw a crowd and weave people around their fingers, manipulate people. We have a duty before God to proclaim His Word, to preach the Word in season and out of season. That's why there's a seminary, because you can't do that on your own. There is a science uh, to Bible interpretation. There are rules of right. Bible interpretation. We're closing a 2,000-year gap here. The, the Word of God has to mean now what it meant 2,000 years ago. So how do you put yourself in the world 2,000 years ago to know what it meant then? Because that's exactly what it means today. Right. You hear people say, well, we need to bring the Bible into modern times. No, that's wrong. You don't tamper with the Bible. You take the modern reader to back to Bible times, and you make that live, that text live in its context, and then you see the meaning of it when it was written. Right. That takes diligent effort. That is a discipline that actually every pastor should seek because what it says in James is so important. Stop being so many teachers. teachers. Theirs is a greater condemnation. Yeah. You don't want to misrepresent the Word of God. You don't want to put yourself in the place of Christ. No, I remember actually the first day uh, at the Master's Seminary, uh, you know, fresh off the boat, so to speak. And and Dick Mayhew said something in class one day. I've I've never forgot it, John. It just plays into what you're saying. He said that the, and I think this is so seminal to our school, and I think why God has used the Master's Seminary, because it's unwavering in its commitment, where Dick said that the greatest blasphemy is to take an inerrant Bible about a sinless Christ and preach it with error. I remember that. It just, yeah. I've never forgot those words because it was, it was that sense of, uh, and that's one of the things I love about the school. We have lost the fear of God. We have lost that, that sense of trembling when we go into the pulpit because we're before God's right. people. We're handling the inerrant word and to mishandle it is yeah, scary. And, and yet there's such sloppiness in it. In fact, Someone might be listening to a young man who, who feels a calling in the ministry and say, you know, Dr. MacArthur, you know, why should I go to seminary? I mean, I can, I can learn this myself. I can read a few books. And, and there is so much available today, but there's still something to be said, isn't there, John, to be in the company of godly professors. I think one of the unique things about the Master's Seminary, it's on the campus of Grace Community Church. And mm -hmm. uh, even though I pastored a church when I could, I'd sneak down and hear you on a Sunday night to hear you model that. So, you know, address that and why you would still make an argument for the investment in four years of languages and theology and history. Well, a pretty simple analogy. Try walking into a hospital, into the surgical ward and say, I've read some books on this. I think mm. I can do it. They're not going to let you near the place. And if operating on people's bodies is so important that you have to be qualified a thousand ways before you ever show up, uh, how important is dealing with people's souls? Mm. How important is the truth of God? But the Puritans call them pastors, physicians of the physicians soul. Physicians of the soul. It's not just your understanding of the soul. It's your understanding of the Scripture. And uh, it, it takes a lifetime of diligent preparation. That's why in the years of the Reformation, if somebody was unlicensed and untrained and preached, they put them in jail. 
Wow. I mean, that, you might say they're going too far, but yeah. you, you understand why they did that, because they were afraid of heresies running around. Well, we're not afraid of heresies today. They're all over the place, and right. un, unqualified, uncalled, untrained men occupy many, many pulpits and misrepresent the truth of God. People say, what drives me? I mean, I've been doing this a long time. You asked me that today. Yeah. You know, what keeps me going? Yes. Two things, the fear of God. I go back to Isaiah 66. The Lord is looking for someone who trembles at his His word. word. I tremble when I have the word of God in my hand. The last thing I would ever want to do would be to say God said something he did not say or to silence him by not realizing what he was saying. I am afraid of that. On the positive, I love the truth. On the negative, I fear the error. Mm. And that's why even to this day, I'm driven to faithful study and preparation. And I know that you're exactly the same way. That's what we share in common, that common love for the Word of God and the inerrancy of the Word of God and this overwhelming responsibility that we have to get it right. Yeah, and I mean, one of the things I find attractive uh, to both schools, and, and, and I think it's part of who you are, and you're unashamed about this, and I think it does address a cultural issue. You've often said that our our philosophy of teaching both at the university and the seminary is, is indoctrination. Yeah. And, and today's culture, that kind of cuts against the grain. Even in seems in, in, in Christian circles today, we, we throw ideas out. There's three or four, and you can kind of pick and choose. Address that a little bit, because yeah. I think we're onto the right thing, because there's a faith that's once been delivered. There's truth that's been handed down across church history. So, you know, maybe again, as we kind of move towards a close in this this broadcast, I'm thinking about parents that are listening, students that are listening, both, you know, kids that are thinking about university and young men that are thinking about the seminary, you know, address that idea that they shouldn't be frightened when it comes to institutions that are going to tell them the truth and they're going to set before them, here's a body of doctrine that's been tested by time, held by our forefathers, and is worth preaching, living, and dying Dying for. for. Well, let let, let me back into that question. You go to a seminary where there are 10 different views. You come out of that seminary, and you have heard every view argued against. Inevitably, you don't know what to preach. Secondly, you have been taught that one thing for sure is true. We can't know the truth. That's the legacy. When you have multiple viewpoints in a school and they're all experts and they all have PhDs and they all hold court and they all make arguments and your conclusion is, wow, you don't have to have conclusions. So you find some kind of middle ground and meander around devotionally or whatever you do. You go to a seminary where there's a 13, 14-page doctrinal statement and every professor there signs it and we didn't invent it. It's, It's New Testament biblical Christianity, Old Testament-informed Christianity, and it's sound and it's solid and it's historic, and our guys line up on that. They've come from lots of different places, but the truth is made available to them in the Word of God, and they've come to see it. And the student graduates and understands that God was not saying anything I think he might be saying or anything I'd like him to say. He was saying something specific. When you talk about doctrine, if I say two and two is four, that is a doctrine. That's that's a fact. Right. Doctrine is just fact. If you argue against doctrine, you're arguing against truth. You're arguing against propositional fact. So you shouldn't run from doctrine. You should run to doctrine because to know the Bible is to know 
truth, specific truth about God, about Christ, about man, about sin, about the Holy Spirit, specific truth, those doctrines become the structure of your life, and you live those doctrines out. They inform your convictions. They control your living. The less doctrine someone has, the more disobedience and the more wandering from the truth will take place. Mm. They have no structure. They have no skeleton. And they can be pushed to and fro and carried about yeah. by every wind of doctrine, as the apostle says. So and if you want anything— that's where our culture's in, at. You know, yeah. in the crosswinds of this culture, you know, our young people need a Christian worldview rooted in historic Christian theology. And we need young men— who are going to get into the pulpits and preach with conviction. So as we can wrap this up, John, why not make just, again, that kind of closing appeal to that family or that young person that's thinking about a university or that young man that feels called to the ministry? Why consider the master's university Mm -hmm. or why consider the master's seminary? Because you're going to believe what the New Testament and Old Testament writers wrote. You're going to believe what the greatest leaders in the history of the church believed. You're, you're going to stand along the great line of faithful, godly men. You'll come out with convictions. They won't be convictions that dropped out of the sky in the 21st century. You're going to know who your people are. You're going to be able to trace the convictions that you have back through the last century and the last and the last and back to the Reformation and back mm. to the fathers and back to the apostles and back to the to the prophets because it is that historic once for all delivered to the saints' faith that you will learn. Amen. You'll stand in the great long line of godly men who have proclaimed the faith and fought for the faith and, as you said, died for the faith. You're not going to be exposed to the latest trendy insight uh, to somebody's uh, recent denial of what the Bible teaches. And students aren't going to walk out of there confused. They're going to walk out of there with convictions. And make it simple. The people who have strong convictions about the truth are the people who potentially are the greatest influence in the world. That's right. Well, hey, you know, John, I want to thank you again for taking a time out of your busy schedule. Um, I am forever indebted to you for your partnership and patronage in my life. And it's a joy to be able to share this time with you with our listeners. And if you've been uh, listening today and uh, we have piqued your interest in in any way, uh, you can go to ktt.org and you'll find uh, links. You'll find buttons both to the Master's University and the Master's Seminary. We hope you'll take time to do that. The book of Proverbs tells us to buy the truth and sell it not. Invest all you have in an education, both at a liberal arts level and at a master in theology level that will stand you in good stead for years to come. Thank you for joining us. And again, John, thank you for being with me in the studio today. It's a privilege, Philip. Thank you. Thank you. What a great interview with Dr. John MacArthur and Pastor Philip DeCourcy. Philip is right in sync with his mentor. On Know the Truth, you'll never hear teaching that spins God's truth to make it palatable to our popular culture. Instead, Philip teaches God's Word completely and accurately so we can encounter Jesus and experience His love and grace now and forever. Join our mission to deliver bold, clear, and convicting Bible teaching through Know the Truth. There's no more important time than now to share the gospel, especially when we can reach millions over the radio and the Internet. Call in a generous donation today at 888-644-8811 or go to ktt.org. And when you give a one-time gift or sign up to become a monthly Truth Ambassador, 
Philip wants to send you a book to expand your view of God. Authored by J.D. Greer, Not God Enough is an important resource for getting an accurate look at the majesty of God. J.D. Greer challenges us to worship, love, and experience our great, big, and magnificent God. When our God is big, our problems and concerns are brought down to size. Don't miss receiving your copy of Not God Enough. Request the book when you support the Bible teaching ministry of Know the Truth. Online at ktt.org or give us a call at 888-644-8811 or write to us at Know the Truth, Post Office Box 30250, Anaheim Hills, California, 92809. And whether or not you give, we'd love to hear from you today. Just for reaching out, we'll send you a CD message from Philip called, Why Does God Allow Us to Suffer? It's our way of helping you draw closer to Jesus. Ask for the free CD when you call 888-644-8811. I'm your host, Wayne Shepherd. We're out of time today, but we'll be back here tomorrow for the start of a brand new series titled, Life in Focus. It's another bold and biblical series presented by our teacher, Philip DeCourcy, right here on Know the Truth. Today's program was produced and sponsored by Know the Truth Incorporated. Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. some questions we secularists have to answer. Who am I? What am I? Unless we can answer these questions, we can't expect people to be interested in living without God. Hi, this is Lon Solomon, and these words were spoken by Dr. Ronald Aronson. You know, Dr. Aronson is spot on. Secularism and atheism do not provide people adequate answers to life. Ah, but listen to what Jesus said. He said, I am the light of the world. The person who believes in me shall never walk in darkness. Hey, it's your choice. Grope in the darkness or follow Jesus and walk in the light. Not a sermon, just a thought. If you'd like more information about Not a Sermon, you can check out our website at notasermon.com. That's notasermon.com. Dr. Robert J.